0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. They were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. How can the hardness of heart that keeps us from seeing God be softened so that our spiritual eyes are opened to his presence. Every sentence of today's gospel reading is part of an ongoing narrative. This happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Mark's story moves along quickly until suddenly the last two short phrases are no longer part of the storyline. Mark comments on the action. First he says, They did not understand the loaves. And secondly, their hearts were hardened. In scripture, hardness of heart can be defined as that which blocks our spiritual understanding. It seems to be a condition that all human beings suffer to a greater or lesser extent. Our question today is, how, Lord, can our hearts be softened? How can our spiritual eyes be opened? Let's start with the heart. Easton's Bible Dictionary says, In Scripture, the heart is the center not only of spiritual activity, but of all the operations of human life. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says, The heart is the center of a person's moral, spiritual And intellectual life the place in which the processes of self-consciousness are carried out Proverbs therefore warns us to keep our hearts with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life or in another translation pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being for from there flows everything that you are and do." I think Elisha was paying attention to his innermost being when he would not listen to his teacher, the prophet Elijah, who told him three times not to follow him to the Jordan wilderness where everyone seemed to know he would be taken up to heaven. If the presence of the Lord was about to show up in a spectacular way, Elisha wanted to be there. He knew his teacher well. He knew that Elijah's injunction was conditional. That is, unless you want to suffer a life like I have suffered, do not follow me. Because of the desire for living in the presence of God day and night was in, it was in Elisha's heart, he would not take no for an answer. He paid attention to his innermost being in order to open up to the wellsprings of life. But what is this hardening of heart if it is not an interior and inner resistance to spiritual understanding, such, as, such that the eyes are blinded. While working on a translation of the New Testament in modern Aramaic, we dubbed the Jesus film into that language. These people were from a Christian tradition that has uh, partially lost touch with their faith because they could not understand the ancient translation of the Bible that they had. The Jesus film was a word-for-word production of parts of the book of Luke and as such included the healing of of a blind man in Jericho. The man cried out, out for help. Jesus heard him and healed him. In the movie, the man jumps up and yells out, I can see, which the translators had rendered, "Ara" in Aramaic. Now this movie was taken to southern Turkey and was shown in a walled courtyard of one of the ancient church buildings there. The courtyard was filled with viewers and the movie proceeded through the life of Jesus to a dramatic portrayal of the crucifixion and resurrection. When the movie was over, the people in the courtyard sat in stunned silence for some time. Suddenly, an elderly man jumped to his feet and yelled out in a loud voice, Arrah! In today's gospel, we can see how much we need Jesus to lead us into an awareness of his ever-presence. Jesus came clarifying, demonstrating, embodying how humans can actually have a palpable access to God's presence. Doing this, begins with opening the eyes of his followers to see just who the Messiah is they are following. Before today's gospel portion begins, Jesus sends out his disciples to the surrounding villages to say and do what he himself had done. They invite people to turn to God. They announce the nearness of the kingdom. They cast out demons and heal many. The text says Jesus specifically gave them power to do these things. Next, we see Jesus taking his disciples across the Sea of Galilee for a wilderness retreat, a much-needed rest after their intense ministry. Luke tells us he, Jesus, often turned to the wilderness to pray. But arriving on the other side, Jesus and the twelve are met with crowds wanting to hear his message and receive his healing. Jesus accommodates them and ends the day by feeding the thousands with a few loaves and fishes. Jesus expected his newly trained and empowered disciples to do this feeding. But the disciples aren't quite up to understanding how that might be possible. They did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. What was Jesus feeling as he dismissed the crowds and sent his disciples back to the boat instead of taking them with him to the wilderness? What were the disciples feeling as Jesus turns toward the wilderness without them? Hours go by before Jesus returns to the shore and sees the disciples struggling against a strong wind. And now past midnight, Jesus steps from one wave to the next and is about to pass them when the disciples spot the hymn. It's an evil spirit, they think, and they are terrified. Jesus hears them crying out in fear, and because his compassion fails not, he immediately goes to them. But before calming the water, he calms their hearts, saying, Take heart and do not be afraid. Between these exhortations, Jesus inserts what comes out as two simple words in the Greek. Our translation renders these words in a way that fits the story and English idiom, saying, it is I. But the Greek is surely closer to the Aramaic of Jesus and his followers. What Jesus actually said insinuated the hallowed name of God. Yahweh, take heart, he said, I am, do not be afraid. Jesus had told his disciples earlier, let your eye be single and your whole body will be full of light. In so saying, he affirms that the inner eye of the heart is capable of seeing God. Blessed are the pure in heart, he says, for they shall see God. Today, we heard Paul describe his calling as the one who announces to the non-Jewish nations the availability of the unsearchable riches of Christ, At the beginning of this same letter, he affirms that the the Ephesians are blessed with every spiritual blessing. We believe that what was given to the Ephesians is also given to us. But what good is it if we do not know what we have and therefore have no experience of these unsearchable riches? What if you were a king or a queen and had complete ownership of the wealth of a nation? If that were true, but you didn't know it, it would mean nothing. So Paul prays for the Ephesians and for us, that we might know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now with these amazing statements telling us that we, what we are, people filled with the fullness of God, who have the unsearchable riches of Christ and are blessed with every spiritual blessing, he prays for us that our hearts will open up to see the presence of God that is already and always within us, being rooted and grounded in love, he prays that we may have the strength in our hearts to comprehend with all the saints what is love's breadth and length and height and depth and to know the limitless love of Christ. He calls it a knowing that passes knowledge. But how do we receive this experiential knowledge of God's love? We have the example of Elisha, who would not take no for an answer. We have the example of Jacob, awakening in the presence of God in the silence and solitude of the wilderness. We have the prophet Elijah, who finds God's presence not in the fire or in the whirlwind, but in a wordless whisper within. We have the example of Christ. Seeking communion with the Father alone in the wilderness. Perhaps it starts with a deep longing like that of a deer thirsting for water. We hear God calling us in the words of the psalmist, Be still and know. And to wait alone on God in silence. To quiet ourselves like a weaned infant on his mother's breast. We hear the invitation to taste and see. We are faithful to that longing until we discover that the easiest thing to do is the hardest thing to do. Yet by grace we find a quiet place where we can be alone with God. We remember God saying, Your thoughts are not my thoughts, and so we abandoned our troubled thoughts and its memories of past trauma and worries of unknown future. By grace, we trust like little children that Jesus is in our hearts until our thoughts become as rain on the roof as we focused on Christ in us, the hope of glory until we see Christ as the unbounded love of God, a knowing that surpasses knowledge, just as love is greater than reason. When you pray, says Jesus, go into your room and shut the door and pray to the Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. As your your pain becomes desire for God alone, you seek a place and a time to wait for him where with all your heart you can listen, present, open, and awake. Let us know then. Let us press on to know the Lord. His arrival is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. And our hope is not in vain, because the heart-softening love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. In stillness, we look inward to the emptiness of our longing hearts. And out of the mist and darkness, we see Jesus. Take heart, he says. Don't be afraid. I am the ever-present love of God. Be astounded. Be utterly astounded.